0: All right, so moving into the Word of God tonight. Grab your Bibles and let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews tonight. And let's take hold of some encouragement. Hebrews chapter 4. And we'll read verses 14 through 16. Just a few verses tonight. A familiar text. Hebrews chapter 4. Once you've found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And we'll get right into the message. We won't be long tonight, but uh, some very thoughtful words from the Hebrew text. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight. How we love your word, and we thank you, Lord, for giving it, for the guidance, for the hope, for the help, for the blessing, Lord, for the instruction, for the protection, for the wisdom, and and learning, the understanding. That the word of God gives into our lives. Lord, we just thank you so much for all of that. The way you love us, the way you lead us, the way you guide us, Lord. We just thank you for your word tonight. And we ask you to bless the reading of it. We pray to your Holy Spirit that you'll be our teacher and guide through the scriptures. That you'll apply the word of God to us. And uh, Lord, help us to take it to heart. To know what you'd have us do as a result of what we hear tonight. How we might apply the word of God to our lives, to our days. And so we pray you'd give us strength, encouragement, help, and hope tonight from your word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Hebrews 4, verse 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a thought that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so I want to take that thought in time of need, right from the scriptures there, and talk about this text. So thank you, you may be seated. Where can I go when lonely? Where can I go when sad? Where can I go when burdened? Where can I be made glad? Well, the answer is the throne of grace. Thank the Lord for this passage and for the privilege, the access we have through Jesus by which we may enter in to the holy of holies in heaven, into the very presence of God through prayer and have access to the throne of grace. Well, someone, and it may have even been Brother Hiles, that's where I heard about it, but he put those questions to a tune and sang a little song about the throne of grace. Where can I go when lonely? Where can I go when sad? Where can I go when burdened? Where can I be made glad? And, of course, the answer is the throne of grace. Come boldly, the song says, into the throne of grace. Boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly, confidently. Boldly with the assurance that we will be welcomed there by our Heavenly Father who knows what we need before we ask. Oh, this text reminds us that we have a high priest. It says we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. You have a double negative there. And it's just reminding us, emphasizing that he knows how we feel. He knows what we're going through. God knows your need. And he's encouraged us. Yea, he's invited us through his word to pray, to bring those things to him. If we know tonight that we serve an all-knowing, all-sufficient God, if he knows what I need before I need it, then why do I need to ask? Because he welcomes my presence. Because God longs to meet our need. Because he wants fellowship and closeness with him. The Bible says in Psalm 46:1 that God is a very present help in times of trouble. In other words, he's right there. God is, is near you in a time of trouble. Usually it's in those times we 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 don't feel his presence. Usually in those times we think he's absent. We, we feel that he's withdrawn from us, but the opposite is actually true. Even when you can't feel his presence, even when you can't sense that he is near, the Bible says that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Some things about God that comfort us, I believe, in this as we consider this time of need and, and, and what we have access to, God has given us his people to encourage us. It's one of the reasons, is it not, why we assemble together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but so much the more, right? And, and, and exhorting one another. Listen, your presence in this place, your presence in our meetings of worship and fellowship, encourage people. And uh, we are encouraged by the presence of others. We are encouraged by one another. And uh, it's one of the things that God has given us, within this gift of the church. And we certainly thank God for it. The people of God encourage us. We, we sense the bearing witness, uh, our spirit with their spirit. It's really because of the Holy Spirit in all of us. Uh, we feel that communion and that common ground, that good fellowship around the word of God, the people of God and their presence certainly do encourage us in time of need. Well, what else? We have tonight the word of God. I'm so glad that we have the privilege to have a copy of the Word of God in our language that we can understand it. And it's free. You know, there, there were, a matter of fact, most of the time throughout history, that was not the case. Uh, people didn't have, they didn't carry around a copy of the Bible. If they wanted to hear the Bible, they had to go somewhere in order to hear it. And uh, until the Bible was translated into English, it was often chained to the church podium. And so you you had to go into a meeting. You had to go listen to somebody read the word of God. And so the desire of of our forefathers was to put the word of God into the language of the common people. English, that is, to translate it and make it available to them so that everyone could have a copy of the word of God. Now, those that had control of the word of God didn't like that. And, And you know the story that goes with all of that. That's another message. But praise God for the privilege tonight to have a copy of the word of God that we might open it and read God's word, his precious promises, the promises of scripture, the treasures of the word of God. Anytime we like, anytime we need encouragement or comfort, strength, healing, help from the word of God, we can open it and we can do that. Thank the Lord for his word. Then there are the blessings of God. Oh, they comfort us. To know that God has blessed our lives reminds us of his presence. It reminds us of his word and the things that we seek to carry out in our lives. We thank the Lord for his blessings. The Bible says in Proverbs ten twenty two, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Hey, the world don't know anything about that. You know, all the good stuff they have makes you sick in the morning. And uh, God doesn't give us anything like that. There's no regrets with serving God. There's no regrets with living for God. There's no regrets with the word of God. And uh, those who follow the Lord and those who who take comfort uh, in these things are continually blessed by them. They are rich and they have no sorrow, no regret that follows. Then there is the work of God. You know, it's great to be a part of what God is doing in the world. It's great to be used of God to encourage or impact someone else's life. To know that your life uh, took part in a higher purpose, something bigger than yourself, is so encouraging and so helpful. David said in Psalm 92, 4, Thou hast made me glad through thy work. How many times has the work of God encouraged us so? Whether we were watching a video or maybe hearing a missionary report or or maybe participating ourselves in some event uh, that was going on, knowing the difference that it made in someone's lives. Hey, the Bible tells us that God has given us many things to comfort us, to help us, to guide us. So in times of need, as the Hebrew writer uh, writes about, these troubled times, these times where we need encouragement and comfort, strength and help, we have all of these at our disposal. Tonight, I want to point out some things that the Hebrew writer brings to our attention. First of all, in verse 15, he talks about feelings. Notice in verse 15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He didn't say that he's not touched by our infirmities. He didn't say that he, that he could be touched by our circumstances, our trials, or whatever we're going through. He said that he was touched by the feeling of those things. The way that's worded brings comfort to our minds because it reminds us that our God knows what we're going through. And by the way, he's the only one that really knows. You know, someone else may have gone through something similar and they might be able to relate in in some ways, but only God knows exactly what what you're going through, and exactly how that feels at any given moment. And I'm so glad that we have this verse in Scripture to remind us that our God is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And we can take and we can talk to the Lord about what we're going through and about how it affects us and how it makes us feel. Now, we need to be careful as Christians. We need to make sure that we are not continually driven by our feelings. We are affected by our feelings, but we're not driven by our feelings. Now, there's a time when, when feelings may become fuel to get something done. I, I'm all about when you get excited for the Lord, and, and that causes you to really put in the work uh, to, to, to serve God and get something done, or, or maybe to witness for Him or something like that. Uh, that's great. But, you know, there are other times when our feelings can get us off track. There are other times when our feelings do kind of betray us. They tell us the wrong message they help us see the wrong things and we come to the wrong conclusion if we follow our feelings too much. So we need to be careful about that. Always take your feelings to the Lord. Always talk to him about it. Reflect on the scriptures and, and make sure they're accurate before you act on your feelings. You know, that's what happened in the Bible. Paul took his feelings to the Lord. As a matter of fact, there was occasion when, when Paul went more than once The Bible says he went three times, and he sought the Lord over and over and over. You remember? It was about that thing that he called a thorn in his flesh. And he said, I besought the Lord thrice. So three times on different occasions, Paul went to God about his feelings about this issue and said, Lord, would you remove this? Finally, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's recorded in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, where Paul sought the Lord about these things. And you know, that's exactly what you and I should do when things trouble us, when we have problems, when we have hard times, when, when our feelings are disturbed, we need to go to the Lord and seek the Lord about those things. Moses sought the Lord about his weakness in leadership. God called him to lead the children of Israel. And uh, thinking about such a, a, a monumental task, Moses was... He felt so inadequate for the task. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said, Lord, I cannot speak. I'm not an eloquent man. How can I, how can I speak and lead the children of Israel, these millions, uh, into the promised land? Well, God enabled Moses. God worked with him through that. God gave Moses some solutions that kind of addressed his feelings. He, he gave him some comfort, if you will, right? And, and by the way, one of those was Aaron. He said, you know, Aaron was going to go with you. And if you remember right in the beginning, it was God said, okay, you tell Aaron and let Aaron tell Pharaoh. So he said, Aaron's going to be your prophet. And you're going to be like God. You're going to speak to Aaron. And Aaron's going to be like the prophet. And he's going to speak to Pharaoh. And God said, and I'm going to speak to you. And that's how it worked in the beginning. That's how God got Moses started. And, and God nurtured those feelings of inadequacy in Moses and helped him become the great leader that he became. David shared his dreams with God about building the temple. And one day when the prophet Nathan came to visit him, David spilled out that desire in front of Nathan to build a great house for the Lord. He said, you know, I built the king's house. And he said, and now God dwells in tents. Well, he was talking about the Old Testament tabernacle and how God, his presence, was contained in that tent. And David was saying, well, if the king has a house, certainly we should build a house for the Lord. And he said, man, I really want to do that. I want to build the house of God. I want God to have something even better than what I have. I want the house of God to be adequate and great. And And he shared that with Nathan. And you know, Nathan was so excited listening to David talk about that and all the things he wanted to do, that Nathan said, man, that's a great idea, David. He said, you ought to do that, and God bless you and be with you. And then that night, God came to Nathan and said, you were a little too quick there. He said, you know, David's been a man of battle. And he said, "Uh, I like that desire David has, but I, I really have plans for his son to build the house, the house of God. And so Nathan had to come back and share that word with David. And, and God blessed the house of David and his lineage. And he assured David that his son's kingdom would be established in the land and that he would build the house of God. And David got all excited about that and said, Lord, I'm so unworthy of a king that you would bless my house forever. But, but basically he said, like Mary in the New Testament, be it, oh, be it, so be it unto me according to your word. You know, He didn't use those exact words, but, but um, he gave a, a more of a lengthy Attribute to to what Nathan had shared with him, and he just praised God. Well, after that, you know what happened. David began to store up all the building materials that Solomon was going to need to build the temple. You know, we talk about Solomon's temple and how great it was. And look, Solomon didn't he didn't only use what David laid up, but he had a great head start. Because by the time Solomon became king, David had yards of of material already gathered and prepared and ready. Can you imagine? David, all of his kingdom, all at the end of his life, he he spent preparing and amassing resources and timber and all these things so the house could be built. And then Solomon comes along, he becomes king, and he adds to that. And because they, they built together, When the house was actually built, it was fabulous. It was so great that the queen of Sheba came over to see and hear the wisdom of Solomon. She had heard all these tales about what God was doing in the land. Israel was more blessed than at any other time in their history. All of this was because of the desire that David had to build a house for God. He took that desire to the Lord and shared it. You know, you and I need to do that. By the way, he did that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Verses 1 through 13, the whole chapter really is dedicated to that and uh, how awesome it was. But not just feelings, the Bible says we can take our feelings to the Lord, but also in this text it says we can take our failures to the Lord, and we should. In verse 15, it says that our high priest was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. Well, that's what makes Jesus so great. That's what makes him our great high priest. We failed, but he didn't. He never failed. He never gave in. Jesus never sinned. But the contrast there implies that we did. And certainly in our lifetime, all those points and in those areas where we've failed We can carry that to the Lord. We talked about David a moment ago, taking his feelings to the Lord about building the house of God. You know, David took his failures to God also, not just his feelings. In his failure, David sought the Lord about his sin with Bathsheba. Read Psalm 51. In verses 1 and 2, right off the bat, David comes out and and he, he confesses. And in verse 2, he acknowledges his iniquity and his sin. And he asked God to create in him a clean heart and renew a right spirit within him. It's a beautiful passage. It's it's a great tribute to David's confession and his reconciliation with God. He, He comes away with the right heart attitude about the matter. You know, we should seek the Lord in our failures so that God can restore us and help make things right. Because our high priest knows what we're going through. David sought the Lord also in his life, not just in his failures, but he sought the Lord in his plans. In Psalm 34, 6, he said, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Hey, what what failures do you have tonight that are troubling you? I want you to know you can cry out to the Lord. You can seek him. By the way, sometimes in the Bible we see glimpses of things that should have crushed people. But that failure turned into their greatest triumph. And it's just like God sometimes to take something that should have killed us and turn it into a blessing. God is able to do that. And we need to seek the Lord. We need to go pour our hearts out to him. We need to take those failures to God so that he can do something that we cannot do with them. God never promised that we would not have troubles, but he did promise to be with us through our troubles. And that's a promise that we hold dear tonight. Notice tonight, if you would, not only feelings and failures, but something that we ought to take comfort in and and something that we ought to seek the Lord for is fellowship. Notice in verse 16, it says, Let us, therefore, come. He didn't say, let you come. He didn't say, let them come. He said, let us come. Us implies togetherness, doesn't it? It implies fellowship. It implies company. You know, oftentimes when we're facing these kind of things, it's good to have company. It's good to have fellowship. It's good to be among brethren. And I'm glad that he worded it this way. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. You know what God is saying to us here? Is that we all need this throne of grace. We all need the comfort of God's presence. And we all need the power of his word in our life. We all need mercy. We all need forgiveness. We all need grace to help us in our time of need. Our time may not happen at the same time, but we all can relate. To the times in which we need God's help for different things. We must come to God to find His grace. And you, you and I need to take that away from this verse tonight. He says, Let us come. And the idea is that we're coming so that we can get something we don't have. We're coming into the presence of God. Notice that he says that we may find, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we're coming to get an extra portion of that mercy and grace to get us through whatever it is we're facing. We come in order to get that. Hey, we we need to come seeking the Lord. We need to come together in fellowship. You know, Matthew 11, 28 and 29 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The Hebrew writer said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he's implying that that we're coming in to the throne of grace, and he's implying that we're going to get it. We're going to find the help. We're going to obtain the mercy. God has it. He's able. Sometimes we say, yeah, if the Lord's willing. Hey, it ain't. It's not the Lord we're worried about. It's us we got to worry about. The Lord is willing. Are you ready? Will you come? We have access to everything God's given, but will we come in order to get it? We have to do that. The good news is that when we come, God will supply. He will help. Verse 16 has no question marks. There's no hesitations. There's no ands. There's no maybes. It's just a strong implication that when we come in, that mercy and grace will be there. And that we will be able to leave with that renewed strength in our time of need. Sounds like a guarantee, doesn't it? Our God is good. He is able, and he does have what we need. Let's go over to James for a moment and look at chapter 4. There's a principle that James shares with us that if we put together with this passage in Hebrews, we find something interesting. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Sometimes we feel there's great distance between us and the throne room. And sometimes we wonder if we have the strength to make it there. But James says, don't worry about that. Because God is always watching. And he said, here's the way it works. He said, when you're ready to find the Lord, when you get serious about connecting with God and you want to get your life in the right place, you draw nigh to God, you take that step. And James said, God over here is watching and when you take that step toward Him, He's going to take a step toward you. Wow, isn't that good? Draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. You take the second step, he takes a step. You know, we don't have to recover all that ground on our own. God is always wanting to help us to reach out. But notice, there's something powerful implied in James 4.8. It teaches us a great principle that God is willing to meet us halfway. God is willing to come where we are. Calvary proved that. But there's one secret to this. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The secret is you have to take the first step. The old timers had it right. God won't do for you what you can do for yourself. You don't pray for a job laying on the couch. You pray for a job filling out applications. Isn't that right? Making phone calls. You got to be actively doing your part. Amen. Somebody said you pray for a harvest at the end of a hoe handle. (laughs) Right? You got to be willing to get some dirty, to to do some work. You got to plant those seeds if you want them to come up with anything. So God expects us to do our part so that he can do his part. And in James 4, 8, we find God will meet us halfway, but he's watching for us to initiate the move. Hey, when it comes to salvation, Jesus didn't wait for us. He initiated because we could not. But in areas where we can, God is looking at our intention. And he wants us to make initiative And when we declare our intentions and we put forth that initiative, when we take that step, then he blesses what we do. He blesses our effort. The Bible says when we draw nigh, then he draws nigh to us. Oh, isn't that good? So tonight, where can you go when lonely? Where can you go when sad? Where can you go when burdened? Where can you be made glad? Hey, I'm glad we have the answer, the throne of grace. Let's take the first step. Let's bow our heads. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you so much for the precious privilege. Lord, to know you and to make you known. To hold and have the word of God to help us, to show us what to do in our time of need, And thank you, Lord, so much for making available to us the throne room of grace, giving us access through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whereby we may come in and receive the mercy and grace we need to make it in our time of need. Oh, how we love you tonight, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us. We pray that you would meet us as we take those steps. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.